this is Alexis GBF with the Precious Little Seed Podcast. Now, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, hopefully you've noticed there's a reoccurring theme, which is that independent sleep is an essential skill for our children to learn, and they're not going to figure it out on their own. They're going to need our help. Now, there's various methods to help your child learn how to sleep without you. We're going to dig into two of them today. Hi, I'm Alexis. Hi, this is Katka. Hi, Elizabeth here. And today we're going to start talking about methods to teach your child to fall asleep independently. And there are many ways to help your child fall asleep independently. There's no right way, but there is the best way for you based on your child's temperament, age, personality, what their sleep associations are, um, and what kind of resonates with your own parenting style and approach. Uh, What methods have you guys used? Uh, I did fading mm-hmm. for when my son was constantly attached to my nipples and I slowly faded him onto uh, a pacifier. Nice. So I, I taught him to fall asleep with a pacifier instead of uh, my nipple in his mouth. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? Um, yeah, I was my first one. I didn't really know anything. So I um, he spent a lot of time in the bouncy chair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that vi- the vibrating <laughs> bouncing chair. bouncing away. Yeah, and and um, you're going to talk about the swing swing method, mm-hmm. and I remember this one time very clearly when a friend came over. So my my position, you know, before I went back to work and and daycare started, my like position in life, I'd sit on the couch and read a book or watch back to back episodes of Buffy the Vampire. Oh, Slayer. Buffy was mine too. Um, <laughs> and and my baby would be in the bouncy chair and I I got just that right motion going, you know, or I'd be bopping up and down, bopping yeah. up and down. And one time my friend came over and she's like, you know, he's going to get seasick because at a certain point, what he needed to fall asleep and stay asleep was that bouncing chair, like yeah, the, yeah. the head position was almost hitting the floor. This, you know? this was our life for the first um, eight or 10 weeks. Yeah. So I hear you. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I, I, I think that people love your blog, especially for the swing method, uh, which you're a huge proponent of, Alexis. And I think you're actually famous for the swing method. And <laughs> I was always so, I, I felt so cheated. My kids did not like the swing. I bought it. It's quite hard to buy it here. Very, very few um, stores actually carry it. I went to the Czech Republic. I bought it, and they did not like it. I felt so sad about that. You, you had to drive into another country to yeah. find a baby swing. Well, let's jump in then. So one of the methods we're going to talk about today is the swing method. And I, I am a huge fan of the swing method. Um, I think it's hugely effective for babies who are motion junkies. And not all babies are, but you know you have a motion junkie. If like Elizabeth, you're like furiously bouncing the baby bouncer. If you're sitting on the, bouncing your butt on that yoga ball for an hour every night, if your child conks out the, the hole yeah. for hours. Um, if, you're, the baby. If, you, if you can't constantly walk, if you um, c- kid falls out, calls to sleep in the car the second you in the you know, stroller, stroller. Yeah. Um, some kids are motion junkies and that's just who they are. And that's OK. So if that describes your child and you spend hours a day on the yoga ball and, and typically, by the way, the people on the yoga ball are just like you, Elizabeth. It's not like a gentle bounce. It's like yeah. they are furiously like, yeah. you know, with thighs of steel bouncing on this yoga ball. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the reason I like the swing method is it typically improves sleep immediately. So, um, you know, short naps become longer. You tend to see longer stretches of uninterrupted sleep at night. And it tends to happen pretty much right away. So it's, it's a quick win when you're feeling really frustrated. It's a quick win. Uh, it also provides a gentle transition path to help teach independent sleep. It's, it's and this is the big one. This is it the is big, a big one, one because yeah, yeah, it's not you you kind of don't have to do anything. The swing is doing it for you. So this is the big one. It is a big right. one. Right. And um I know a lot of people talk about only oh, baby will only sleep on me or the naps that they take when they're on me are two hours mm-hmm. versus, you know, yeah. 20 minutes if they're in a crib. Well, this is a great substitute, you know, yeah. that the the baby's in there cradled, moving, and can give you those two-hour naps rather than because 20 minutes. Because the baby minutes, only sleep on you thing is, is charming in small doses, but it's not realistic for parents who have older kids. And if your child's napping for the next three to five years, it's not a long-term option. It's just not practical. Right. So, yeah. So for baby only sleeps on you, the swing is really great. Um, and tra- traditionally, the getting out of the swing and into the crib – uh, when they're ready is fairly drama free. I can't say always drama free, but almost always is drama free. People have a big fear about it. Like I'll never get them out. But more often than not, it's really not, it's not a huge thing. The yeah. downside of the swing method is that sleep, sleeping in a swing is not aligned with the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics safe sleep statement. Their goal, which is a very laudable and reasonable goal, is that the safest place for your child to sleep is in a crib. Now, truthfully, there is almost no research on swings in terms of safety. There's no real evidence that they're not safe, but there's also not been a lot of research done, period. So, you know, I I think everyone who wants to use the swing as a tool should talk about it with their pediatrician first. Um, it's not recommended for premature babies or very, very small babies. And you always want to follow the safety guidelines put forth by the manufacturer. So using safety straps, making sure it's on a flat surface, uh, only put one child in a swing. People have put Mm -hmm. twins in there, not good plan. So, you know, be reasonable about your approach and make sure that it's appropriate for your family. Um, Can we talk for a minute about um, why it's not aligned with AAP? And I understand they have this Baby should sleep flat in a crib thing. But the reason I bring it up is because a lot of people say, well, I'm going to try the swing, but my main concern is the baby's head is falling forward, neck is constricting, it won't be able to breathe. And I'm going to parallel here say that before I you know, knew anything six years ago when I had my first kid, um, and I said he spent a lot of time in the, in the bouncer, he actually slept in a bouncer in the crib. Mm-hmm. You know, he just put the bouncer in the crib next to the bed. Um, and I think you told me later that, that you shouldn't do that. And I'm wondering first, you know, why the swing would be any better than, you know, a reclined bouncer. And second, what is it, what can you do as a parent about your baby if their head is inclined to the point where you're worrying about breathing being constricted? So, uh, so two things. So a bouncer is kind of a metal wire frame and mm-hmm. it's inherently unstable, right? It's, it's actually bouncing using the flexion in the metal to create the bounce and mm-hmm. they frequently topple over. Um, so, uh, and, 
Huh. Yeah, that seems like impossible to me. No, There's no, no. Just like, no the, like the, the bouncer that I used, you know, was really low to the floor on these uh, wide legs with rubber. Well, with the, the they have injury reports based on products, and there's a lot of injuries reported with bouncers. I mean, I think they're fine if you're using it in the living room while you're hanging out. But yeah, they kids can get the bounce to go so much that it literally they, they bounce the thing over. Especially you know what? Kids. I think I know what you're talking about because there's that infant to toddler rocker. It's a rocker, and they rock themselves forward and flip over. Well, and then there's different products, right, in terms of how bouncy they are. But just as a general theme, I'm like, don't you don't want your kids sleeping in a bouncer and you don't want to put the bouncer in the crib because it creates entrapment hazards if they happen to flop over. Oh, yeah, I guess the infant stage, though, that's that's difficult. Well, the challenge is you never really know when they're going to be strong enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Like until it happens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm I'm not a big fan. The reason I like swings better is, you know, the modern swing, if we take like the Fisher Price, has a wide, firm base. If you put that on a flat surface, it's not going anywhere. And, and by the way, the legs should be as wide apart yeah. as possible. That's and, the correct use. And of they the click swing. in like so, you know, yeah. it's set up right when they click yeah. in. And um, the modern swing actually is really recumbent. It's almost flat. The older model swings were like bucket seats and you were sitting fully upright and they were not awesome. But mm-hmm. the modern swing is very recumbent, very reclined. So you don't get a lot of schlumping. And by schlumping, I mean like the, the neck curling in on the chest. Yeah. And the reason why we're concerned about schlumping is um, like babies, especially smaller babies and new and preemies and newborns, they schlump in car seats. And they've done studies to find that their, their mm-hmm. oxygen intake is restricted because they're so schlumped. And mm-hmm. in some cases, uh, They've actually advocated that for very, very small babies, it might be safer for them to not be in the car seat leaving the hospital, you know, meaning it literally might yeah. be safer yeah. to be held in the back seat than it would, you know, given this low risk yeah. of accident, than it would be to be in the car seat. So that's another reason why um, they don't, people don't advocate for car sleep uh, in car seats, sleeping in car seats. Uh, if your child falls asleep in a car seat while you're traveling, that's fine. But like not to use the car seat in the living room as like a primary sleep space because they're too curved and they do encourage sort of schlumping chin on chest. Right. Um, so you don't want to have yeah. a really schlumpy kid. Yeah. And again, this is an issue where I would say it's very individual. If you recline the swing fully and you put your baby in it and you're concerned that they're schlumpy, that their chin is too close to their chest, typically that's not an issue. But I would take pictures and talk about it with your pediatrician. Yeah. Or okay. just maybe skip the swing for a week or two until wait. they're stronger. Wait and, until they're uh, a little bit older and bigger. Yeah, a little bit older and just wait for a while. And uh, what I did, I'm, I'm not sure if Fisher Price would like that, but I found that the little pillow which they have behind mm-hmm. their head was actually making him slump more. So mm-hmm. I cut it off and yeah. or I readjusted yeah. the position of the pillow so that it didn't make him you know, push his forward, uh, head forward. I just so, think when it comes to kids and safety, I'm a big fan of involving yeah. the pediatrician, take pictures. Yeah. And this is all of the things people want to do loveys. They're like, when are we, you know, like it, anything you want to introduce to your child's sleep environment, I would talk about with your pediatrician and take pictures and show them. This is what we're looking at. This is what it is. How do so, you So um, we talked about the incline thing. Um, do you want to talk about other things you should look for in a swing before you make this $100 investment? Well, there's honestly, there's only a few brands in the U.S. Um, there's the Fisher Price. There's there's Graco, um, there's Mamaru. So Mamaru is just a really expensive swing. So I'm not a fan because it doesn't do anything special, really. It's just a much more expensive, cooler looking option. 
Um, Fisher Price and Graco are basically equivalent. There's a few small changes. The Graco has a weight limit of 30 pounds. Fisher Price is 25. Graco has a five point harness. Fisher Price has a three point harness. And, uh, Fisher Price recently introduced what's called smart swing technology, which means it shuts out off after a few hours. It is not very smart. I know. Well, a few hours. Yeah. So yeah, you have to restart it. And, um, you know, I <laughs> I raised a big ruckus with them, and they just ignored me. I was like, I'm a highly influential blogger, damn it. And they were just like, whatever. Uh, so, you know, if your newborn is waking up multiple times a night, the, the shutoff feature is not an issue. Um, if, if it's waking them up, it is a problem. So if I had to buy a swing today, I would probably lean towards the Graco because it doesn't shut off. They're mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive, and I find the motors are a little noisier, but, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a white noise. Well, so so I, so like let's I move said, on to know, how to maybe how to do this. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I was gonna say that um you know with my first I didn't have a swing um and then we moved and then I had a second baby and I was like you know man I'd run across across Alexis's blog but it said use the swing I'm like that sounds really awesome but it's my second last baby not sure I want to make this investment and a friend of mine had a swing that I borrowed and it had some of the features right it didn't shut off it plugged in wide base it also came with either you could swing side to side or front, or to, front back. to back yeah i never figured out which one worked better the motor was like kind of la- you know you could almost hear the gears turning <laughs> in it you know and it it would take a long time for that swing motion to really take effect. So I would say, you know, um, you know, just, just bite the bullet and get yourself a good swing, a new new good swing and swing rapidly. One that is not extremely noisy. And then I think motors don't last forever. So sometimes you're really just getting a fresh motor, you know, when you Mm -hmm. buy a new swing is a good cheap motor. So I want to say, listen, I've written enormously about uh, how to use the swing method on the website. And we'll put these links in the show notes. There's also a lot of great information in the comments, a lot of great question and answers. So if you're looking at using this, I would read uh, the show notes, check out the links and peruse the the comments underneath because there's a lot of great stuff in there. But basically, um, the, the general approach to the swing method is you want to swaddle your child, typically for no matter what you're doing, swaddling is helpful. Uh, you want to swaddle, swing, white noise, dark room, and ideally an age-appropriate wake time. So you have some sense of how long they should be awake before they're going to fall asleep. And you want to use all of these tools. So we swaddle our child. We walk into the dark room. We turn on our white noise. We might do a, a brief um sleep routine, you know, we sing a few songs, we do a little diaper change, whatever our routine is. And we put them in the swing and we turn on the swing and we walk out the door. This is our ideal scenario. Now, if you've been bouncing furiously on the yoga ball for months, this probably won't work for you. Your child is used to falling asleep with you. Your child is used to probably more motion than the swing is providing. So if you can't just put your child in the swing, turn on the swing and walk out the door, You might need to bounce them to sleep and sneak them into the swing afterwards. That's our starting point. Um, And then once they've kind of gotten used to the swing, we're going to start moving towards bouncing them until they're drowsy and sneaking them into the swing and kind of inch our way towards the kind of the Valhalla of the swing, which is wide awake baby, strapped in swing, swing turned on, walk out the door. And the reason why having them fall asleep in the swing is so powerful is because that is the essential component to using the swing 
to move towards independent sleep. So once you've gotten to the point where you can put your two-month-old fully awake in the swing, turn swing on, walk out the door, they fall asleep, take a nap for an hour and a half, now we're in a position to actually transition them to the crib, which we would do by gradually dialing down the speed of the swing. Six, five, four, three, two. Getting to the point where we put our child who is fully awake in a swing that is not moving and they can't get out in there. And once we've hit that point, the transition to the crib is pretty direct. You just do everything the same, only instead of putting them into a swing and strapping them in, you put them in the crib. And this can be a really powerful way to teach independent sleep, which if you've been listening to the podcast, you understand is essential. I do want to make a safety note, however, which is that there is a very small percentage of kids for whom the non-moving swing to crib transition is not smooth. Uh, I think you see the same kind of thing with kids who sleep in a rock and play, who get used to that kind of cuddly feeling that the the, the sides of their sleep space kind of curl up around their, their body. And when they put into a crib, they're like, this is weird. I don't like this. And sometimes that transition is a challenge and people's response is to try to recreate that nest feeling in the crib, which they do by putting all kinds of stuff in there, pillows, boppies, padded, you know, pool noodles, rolled up yep. towels. Um, flat out, this is a bad plan. <laughs> Listen, none of us want our children to cry, but Having a child cry for 30, 40 minutes because they don't like the wide open space of the crib is preferable to introducing massive SIDS hazards into our child's sleep environment. So I understand the make the nest uh, instinct and, and where that comes from. And it comes from kindness and lovingness, but we don't want to do this. Well, you know, an alternative to that is if your baby's not yet rolling over, you know, less than six months or so, then stick with the swaddle. Mm -hmm. You know, the swaddle is not a SIDS hazard. You're not introducing an extra element into the crib. Yes. You know, swaddling is, as long as they're not flipping, swaddling is a great way to get that cuddly feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. without putting pool noodles in the in the crib. I just (laughs) want to mention this side note that a a few weeks ago, someone, um, posted a picture of a new product that's that someone's trying to raise money for um and it is um kind of like an insert into the pack and play and it's a hammock and one of the things they wrote about it was that it gives them this you know the feeling of the womb Mm -hmm. right and and i think we are used to this idea now of oh we want to give our babies all these womb-like feelings you know when they're they're infants this particular thing it's a hammock I'm like okay how much does this cost it's $160 for you know this piece of cloth that you can string across your pack and play so use that money and get a swing instead and listen I'm a huge fan of Kickstarter Kickstarter funded my book I I I have funded other products on Kickstarter do not buy safety gear for your infant on Kickstarter you do not want your child to be the guinea pig for safety gear or sleep yeah. or sleep gear. anything yeah. that is, is yeah. possibly hazardous related to SIDS or safety that is not what Kickstarter is for Kickstarter is for you know cool t-shirts <laughs> cool like, iPhone accessories. Yeah, iPhone cases you know the oatmeals card games that's what we go to Kickstarter for, not yeah. safety yeah. gear. So and while we're still sort of on the topic of swaddle, often people ask, how do I swaddle for the swing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then um, basically you either just uh, leave the legs out because what's important uh, about swaddling is keeping the arms in. So it's not really about the legs. 
or you just kind of make a this this hollow in the the bottom part and like strap, a V between their yeah, legs. Yeah, yeah, and strap the baby in with the swaddle. So it can be done. Don't be afraid to try it. Right. And there are all kinds of swaddle makers now that understand that, that babies are yeah. sleeping yeah. in car seats or wherever and um they are making the the top, you know, zip up and and, and separated yeah. legs. Yeah. You know, things, something yeah. like that. Um because so, you yeah, always want to use the safety though. straps. Yeah. So don't use swaddling as an excuse to not use the safety straps, even when they're little. The thing is, you never know when they're strong enough to flop out until they flop out. And then it's too late. You mentioned something about five versus three point harness. And I was thinking like, imagine myself as a parent of a newborn again. And those times when you're walking your baby around, your baby's falling asleep magically, you want to put them down and you think I'm going to put them in the swing, right? So just think to yourself, if you're going to be in this situation, that a three point harness might work a little bit better. Because if your baby's asleep, not swaddled, you're not going to want to pull its arms out to get its arms into procedure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, so the swing is one method to use for helping your child, uh, learn to fall asleep independently. It really tends to apply for younger babies and motion junkies. So a lot of times people will ask, well, you know, my eight month old isn't falling asleep independently. We, we don't want to do cried out. Can we use a swing? And I'm like, eh, no, I mean, you can, if you have one sitting in the corner gathering dust, but the odds of it making a difference for your eight month old are very low. Um, I would say, you know, two to four months is kind of the hot zone for swings. And then they're sort of aging out of the need for motion um, as they get older. And it's not something that's going to typically work amazingly for an older baby. And also, you know, older babies are mobile and they're, you know, it's, it's just, they're really meant for, for younger kids. I want to mention one more thing because you mentioned the age thing here is just that Another reason the swing um, or, you know, if the bouncy chair, you only want to use it for naps maybe. But um, the the reason that those work really well for the newborn, you know, maybe up to six to eight weeks um, stage is because fully reclined is actually um, a, an uncomfortable position for babies being flat out, right? Like, yeah. so they get, you probably have heard about this, you know, they get a lot of gas built up when they're lying flat. And so, especially, you know, if you, if you, if you think that they have a, a diaper on their bum, they're sometimes they're even kind of, you know, on an oh, opposite incline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. that may be uncomfortable. So yeah, I'm, I too am a huge fan of, uh, you know, keeping babies slightly at an angle. Right. So just, you know, just enough that their, their upper half is like up a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of sweet spot between not their heads, not rolling forward and they're not perfectly fat flat. I think, um, helps a lot. And I, I wanted to just say one other thing, which is that, um, for a newborn, right. They're a little bit noisy in the night. I don't know if yours kids, your kids were. They're but very I, noisy. Oh, yeah, God, I remember that like a couple grunting weeks in, and, and I'm like they're grunting, and... they're squealing, yeah, they're doing yeah. stuff, snoring, but they're and not stuff. actually awake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so weird. And my husband, when when our first baby came home, he was like, "It's too loud. You know, it's keeping me up." And he said, you know, let's just stick them in the closet. And it sounded <laughs> so horrible, you know. Isn't that it what Harry po- isn't that what they did with Harry Potter? Is that true? true. <laughs> it was kind of like that because under the stairs, the closet under the stairs. Yeah. There was this bizarre hallway between our bedroom and the rest of the apartment. He's like, let's just stick them out there, you know. It's pitch black. 
he's, you know, we can, no, it's, we, it's kind of perfect, right? Crying, we could hear him, but we yeah. couldn't hear the grunting and the squealing. And, and truthfully, he was sleeping, you know, like he's sleeping and we're not, it seems totally unfair. <laughs> so I wanted to say that, you know, for your newborn, don't be afraid of the pitch black. They don't know the difference, yeah. you know, like in terms of a sleep environment, if they're in a swing, there's no reason to have a nightlight in the newborn phase, you People know, we're all gung ho about nightmares. And I'm like, that's a big kid issue. Like your newborn yeah. is not worried about like goblins under the bed. And you know, your newborn just lights. came out of a womb. There could probably be no darker place. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So moving on, we, we're going to talk about another method today. These are just, again, two of many, but, um, two popular ones. So I'm a big fan of the swing, but it's not going to work for all kids and it's not going to work for older kids. So it has a kind of a window of effectiveness. Another method that was popularized by Elizabeth Pantley in her book, No Cry Sleep Solution is pick up, put down, which you'll sometimes see online shorthanded as P-U-P-D, pick up, put down. And um, I do want to make a note. I, I think the fact that it came from this book with the title No Cry Sleep Solution, it suggests that there is this is a tear-free approach to no, establishing no, independent no. sleep, but it actually involves crying. Like, yeah. there's not no cry. Yeah. It's cry while you are present. <laughs> right. And screaming. Screaming. And screaming. Yeah. There's crying. So I just want to put that out there that this yeah. is not the no cry alternative. This is a alternative that also involves a bit of struggle as most methods do but um, you are there while the baby cries you're, there's you're, a difference you're, you're in the room yelled at uh face to face while this <laughs> yeah. is happening so the basic fundamental idea is you do whatever you normally do to help your baby get drowsy some people are nursing using bottles pacifiers rocking bouncing whatever your child's sleep association is you do that until they are very drowsy and we are calm and drowsy, but still awake, you stop whatever you're doing and you gently place them in their safe sleep place, whatever that is. And then you wait. And if your baby falls asleep, you have achieved the Valhalla, which is independent sleep. If your baby instead gets upset with you the minute you stop whatever it is that you've done, you pick them up and you restart that activity, the nursing bottle, passy, rocking, bouncing, cuddling, until they are once again drowsy but awake, and then you put them back down. And you continue with this pattern until you are able to put them down awake and have them fall asleep without you or that activity happening. Now, there are a couple keys here that are essential. One is that they need to fall asleep not with you. So the minute you like nurse or rock or cuddle until they have fallen asleep into your arms, you've basically, you know, now you're, now you it's done. You sabotaged yourself. You sabotaged yeah. it. Now it's done. Yeah. The other thing is, is they actually need to be awake. Some people try to cheat the system by doing whatever they're doing until their baby's like 99.99% sleep. And then they are like, oh, but there was a little flutter of the eye. They were awake. No, they weren't. They have to actually be legitimately awake going down independently otherwise you've basically just rocked them to sleep and from their worldview nothing has really changed um and the other thing is that this for most kids is going to take a long time so if it if your normal bedtime routine was like 15 minutes of rocking and then you put them into the crib you know you could be doing the pickup put down for two hours uh and i don't say that to be dismissive but to set clear expectations so you're not surprised when this is a big production that goes on and on and on 
uh, because that's where people get frustrated and give up. Yep. They try for 20 minutes and they say, this is not working. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. I'm done. <laughs> um, uh, I find that people really are drawn to this method because they have this sense that if they're not actively involved, that they're like abandoning their child, that we want to be present and yeah. really, really involved with whatever's happening. I think that the title of the book, No Cry, has really resonated with people for for really, you know, decades. It's not a new book. Um, and so they they like that concept, as do we all. I mean, nobody wants their children to yeah. be distressed if we can help it. Um, I think most of us first read this book before oh. trying other stuff. Absolutely. This was my start. I, yeah. This and Sears yeah. was my entrance into the baby yeah. sleep book world. Yep. And now look where that led. <laughs> um, so I want to say here that this is an awesome solution for the dads out there yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I'm, I'm saying this because you know it it does take some time but 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 in my experience dads are just a lot more calm about this kind of process and and I'll give you my personal anecdote which is that with my second one but actually both my kids right at five months they were just like nursing to sleep just wasn't working anymore and I and I didn't know anything about what now we hear of as um what is that so regressions mm -hmm. but uh, you know it's like man this is not working like nursing to sleep is just not working anymore and so I'd go in um desperation to my husband like I can't do this I'm done mm -hmm. you know like nurse to sleep, wake up like 10 times, you know? So he would, he would just go and be like, okay, pick the baby up, rock a little bit, put her back down. And then I swear he was just taking a nap. Like he would just lie <laughs> down on the bed and fall asleep and then be like, oh, she's crying, you know, and like pick her back up and rock her a little bit and put her back down. And he would do this repeatedly and with great patience. And, and I think that's what he was do you know and like I'm I'm in the background like it's not fucking working yeah. sorry for my language <laughs> no you know but like it worked actually ultimately it worked so that when we then entered you know the official sleep training arena it really I think curtailed the amount of crying you know like it was it's just happened beautifully you know I I think that's a great tip so when we're when we're trying to make a change like this um, you know, typically the primary caregiver, which is often the mom, uh, and sometimes there's two moms and sometimes there's two dads. So it's the primary caregiver tends to be more emotionally wrapped up in whatever's happening and tends to be more freaking out about how it's going or not going. So whoever the other person is, uh, often will have better success. Um, and I think that's a great tip with, you yeah. know, to, to the, the person who is, is typically not doing the nighttime parenting, pass off the baby and let them have a go. Yeah. Because um, there's often like, I don't know, a nurse to sleep association or a pesky association, but also a mom association mm -hmm. on top of that. So the baby wants the two things to, to suck and to have mom nearby. So that's why it works too. Um, so the key to the pickup put down though is really commitment and consistency. So like you don't want to do this for three days and then on the third day get frustrated after an hour and just nurse to sleep. That's yeah. really going to unravel everything. So it, it can be really hard to find that like inner well of, of commitment yeah. when you're just exhausted, but it's really essential. I, also I think say, we've mentioned, yeah, I think we've mentioned Yoda before. Yoda. Yes. Do, do or do not, do not try. There There's no, no try. <laughs> 
Um, I will say I find this works better for younger babies, uh, two to four months, um, Mm -hmm. and babies who are more flexible. Some kids are just more flexible. It's who they are. Um, And some kids are just locked in. And any deviation from what they're used to or conditioned to is a blow up. And I wouldn't look at that as a failure. I would say that's who your child is. And if you're trying to do this, let's say with a pacifier. And you're trying to pop the passy out, and your child's just getting pissed off. Meaning, the second that passy comes out, they are just, you know, they're calm, calm, calm. Passy comes out, uh, pissed. That it's okay to go. Wow, this is this method may not be a good yeah, match. This is, this is not a good fit and, for us. And pissing off my child for two and a half hours until they fall asleep in sheer exhaustion is not, you know, this is not a workable strategy. So it's fine to start this for one, two, maybe three nights and then check in and go, I don't think, you know, my gut instinct is this is just making us all frustrated and angry. And that's okay. Uh, I think this is a really good approach for people of younger babies to give a try to and kind of play around with a little bit. And make a decision. Is this something that's going to work for us? In which case, mm-hmm. we're a hundred percent all in, or maybe it's not a good fit. In which case, let's back off and kind of kind of reevaluate yeah. other yeah. options. And I, I want to actually yeah. mention here too, just that um, the methods that we're talking about right now, these are things that you do with you know your early you know newborn up mm-hmm. to you know five six months old baby because you're trying to avoid what a lot of parents dread, which is cry it out. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to avoid crying it out, right? And, and if you want to, if you're dead set against that, um, and, and some, maybe sometimes you end up there anyway, and that's okay. But if you're dead set against it, then, then start with the swing method, give it a chance, start early, start with the pickup, put down method, give it a chance, you know? Because my experience is that these, uh, the older the child is, the harder it is to make change. So if you've been, for example, nursing your 14 month old to sleep for the entirety of their lives, and at 14 months, you try to do the pickup, put down, it's, it's going to be a battle. That's very (laughs) hard for a, for now a toddler to uh, kind of, you know, adjust to this new paradigm, um, they're going to get pissed at you and fight you. In fact, with older kids, what I see is the pickup put down leads to fighting sleep because they know that as soon as they start to get drowsy, you're going to take whatever it is away. So they're fighting sleep now to ensure that you don't do that because now they're mm-hmm. kids. They're not babies. They're kids. And they know they're going to realize what's happening. Like they're like, hey, I, yeah. I get your game. So yeah. they're going to fight sleep so they can keep an eye on you. So I'm not saying you can't try it with older kids. I'm just saying my um, anecdotal experience is that the success rate declines dramatically as your child gets, you know, older than, say, six months. And as a side note, I'd like to say that this is, uh, well, we consider it uh, one of the sleep training methods, but this is actually something you can try uh, without the intention of sleep training with young babies. Like when you have a two-month-old, this is a great, and I would encourage you to try this. Yes. See what happens. This, not, not, not meaning to let the baby cry for two hours, but hey, he's two months, he's, he's maybe 10 weeks, and he's sort of not newborn anymore. So let's try what happens when we, you know, nurse him until just drowsy and put him down. Let's try what happens. Let's, Sleep let's training what happens. is not a dirty word, and we yeah, all yeah. need to do it. So, and so. if your child can figure this thing out at two months, more power to you. And think about all of the angst and exhaustion you're saving 
everyone down the road. I love that you bring that up, that this is sleep training. I mean, people equate sleep training with cry it out, but it's not. It is whatever method you choose to train your child. Your goal may not be uh, that you want to get rid of the pacifier permanently. It may Mm. be that uh, you don't want to nurse your baby fully to sleep, but just to semi-drowsy mm-hmm. and put them down, see if they can make it on their own. This is a great method for just, let's try to see what happens without mm-hmm. having the goal that, no, now we're going to do this and we will be all sleeping in one week. Yeah. yeah. No, proactively it, establishing healthy sleep yeah, is a yeah, whole lot better yeah. than waiting until yeah. things have gone way off the rails and then trying to, you know, right mm-hmm. the ship at that point. Um, I would, you mentioned the pacifier. And so I wanted to say, you know, I know, um, you've talked about the five S's before, but, um, you know, the pacifier S sucking is a really, really big one. And the pacifier should be your friend if it is your friend. Right. And, and, and I always say when people ask about it, just that if it's working, it's working. And when it's not working anymore, it's not working anymore. And you know, the difference, right. And so when you get rid of it, until it's a problem. Right, right. And you get rid of it when it starts being a problem, right? So use it as long as it's working for you. Yeah. And the same goes for a swing in a way that people feel, I don't want to use the swing that's a sleep prop. Yeah. They will get used to it and they will never get out of the swing. Well, when you're bouncing your baby on a yoga ball for 20 minutes or when you're nursing your baby on when they need a passy or when you are walking with the baby for 20 minutes down the hall, well, that's a sleep prop as well. They're used Mm -hmm. to, but you are providing the sleep prop. So, and the swing is easier to get out of actually. Actually, I have to share a little anecdote that made me laugh on the group. Um, uh, last week, somebody was uh, planning a trip with their four-month-old, and they posted, please tell me I don't need to schlep this swing with me. And like 40 people were like, we schlepped the swing, schlep it. And like three people were like, we didn't schlep it, we regretted it, schlep the swing. And I got like a big, a big laugh about that. And I'm like, yeah, traveling with babies is hard. If you have something that's going to help make that trip go more smoothly for you and your child, like schlep it. Yeah. And I believe in the US there are places where you can actually rent a swing yeah. when you're traveling oh, to another yeah. city. So or even just get a cheap one option. on Craigslist yeah. and you know. Yeah. All right. Well that's <laughs> it for today. There's lots of ways to help your child learn how to sleep. The swing can be a powerful tool for younger babies. Uh pick up put down is sometimes effective for younger babies, especially those that are a little more flexible. So put those in your parenting arsenal and keep them uh, as options to consider for your babies or your friends' babies. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, your best bet is to head on over to iTunes and subscribe. There's new episodes coming out about every two weeks, covering everything from sleep to parenting to interviews with best-selling authors to research that's in the news. And you don't want to miss out. If you want to let us know that you like it and we should keep going, please leave a kind review because kind reviews are like warm hugs and we love hugs. Hugs.